Thanks for tuning into the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad you're here with us today. And as always, I want to say a big shout out to all of our Central Family locations. A big welcome to our Central Summerlin family. We love you guys. Appreciate you. Welcome to Central Kingman. Good to have you guys down in Arizona. Glad you're with us today. Big shout out to Central Sunrise Mountain. Grateful for you guys and Central Southern Highlands, as well as everybody who's watching us online. And as always, we're so proud of those of you who are joining us in different prison facilities across the country in our partnership with God Behind Bars. We love you. We're glad that you're with us today. Thank you. Well, I am excited to dive in with you and talk to you a little bit about all the feels. I was thinking about uh, this, getting ready for this weekend, and this summer, my family and I, we all went on a vacation, and it was sort of one of those vacations where uh, my daughter was going off to college at the end of summer, and my son was about to turn 16, and so, you know, you're kind of like, this could be the last time we're going to really get to do this as a family, so I wanted it to be good. I had pretty high hopes, you know, for this trip and this vacation, and so it was a great time. We had a blast. I mean, you know, we, we, we not only went out, I, we got them their own hotel room and we had our hotel room first time that's ever happened and because uh, I figure you know it can't be good if kids are sleeping all over the floor you know what I'm talking about at least it's not good for mom and dad that's what I'm talking about right there anyway it was a good vacation we wired it that never happened to me as a kid I never got to go on trips like that as a kid I never got to stay in my own hotel room as a kid come on somebody I mean, the biggest thing we ever did is my dad drive us to the little theme park, you know, that Wonderland Park. That was as good as it got. We took our kids on a vacation. We looked around, we had fun, it was awesome. At the end of the vacation, we went to this restaurant, we had our final meal together. And I, I had set this up in my mind, I was gonna go around the table and we were gonna talk about all the things we were thankful for. And I was just expecting my kids were gonna not only talk about what they were thankful for in the vacation, but their whole childhood. How blessed they've been, how nice it's been to have us as parents, you know. God, I just set myself up, right? And so we go into this restaurant, we sit there, and I share what I've appreciated the most about the last week and how great it was, and then Lori shared what she was thankful for in the week, and then it gets to my kids. And have you ever noticed how teenagers are chronically unimpressed? You know what I'm talking about? And they just, and as my kids are sharing, I'm getting angry. And then I'm getting flat mad. And I'm pissed. Because I'm sitting there and I'm like, you should be doing backflips right now across this restaurant. I never got to do this. You got to go in. You got your own room. You know how much that costs, right? You know, like going down all this stuff in my mind and I'm sitting there. And, and, and so when they didn't meet my expectations, I went off the handle and I leaned up and I threw my napkin down on the table and I said, listen here, you guys should be more grateful for what you've got. And here we go. And it just went on and on and on. And I got amped up enough that my sweet, precious wife, Lori, gave me the look. Every guy in here knows what I'm talking about when I say that. And then she says, you might want to just back off a little. Well, that just ticked me off at a whole new level. Oh, disrespecting me now. 
Our last meal together, possibly our last family vacation like that ever in our lives. And you know how I ended it? I said, oh, I'll do better than that. I got up and I walked away. <laughs> do not applaud that. That was not a wise move. But I walked away, I left my family. I'm like, they can take care of the bill. And I walked for about two hours around the city that we were staying in. And the first hour I was walking around, I was still really angry. And I was telling myself all the ways I was right. My kids needed to hear that. It was good that I said that to them. They needed that. They needed a jolt of truth. That's how anger is, right? Anger, studies show that when you're angry, that's when you're most convinced that you're right. Even if you're totally wrong. And for an hour, I walked around that city justifying everything I had said, justifying raising my voice, justifying walking away from the table. I was pure and righteous and holy in everybody's eyes except God's and my family's and everybody else if they had flown in and seen that situation. And after about an hour, my anger started to wear off and then sanity started to come back, you know? And you know what I started to do? You ever do this? Like an hour later, Lord forgive me, I'm a horrible father. <laughs> I'm walking around now, I'm like, oh man, I, I said too much, I shouldn't have gone, I, I can't believe I walked away on the last meal of our possible last vacation we're ever gonna take as a family, what an idiot. And so I go back and I walk in, and first I apologize to Lori, gotta go to the queen first. <laughs> apologize to Lori for my behavior, and then, like a little eight-year-old, then I walked into my kid's room, that's right, and I apologize to both of them for my actions. And here's what I was just thinking about when it comes to that. I wanna parent my kids out of faith, not just out of my feelings, right? I, I want to lead my family well, and I want to lead myself well so that I don't lose the basic chips that I need to lead them at all. And what I had done is I had let my feelings and my emotions, because really that dinner was about me and what I wanted and I needed and I expected. I had let my feelings and my emotions take control and take it further than I wanted them to go. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying right now? The rest of you are just waking up. But that's, feelings are powerful, aren't they? They're powerful. And God created feelings and emotions, and if we will learn to lead ourselves in our emotional life well, the sky is the limit to what we can accomplish in our families, in our workplaces, in our relationships, right? But if you don't lead yourself well, you will forfeit the opportunity to lead others. If you don't lead yourself well, you will forfeit the opportunity to lead others. And so I'm excited about this teaching series. We're gonna be looking at hurt, at worry, at sadness, at fear. Today we're gonna to talk about anger and how all of these emotions, which are good inherently, the big idea for this series is this, that no emotion is bad, but every emotion can go bad. 
right? No emotion is bad in and of itself. They're there for a reason, but our emotions can go bad when we take them too far. So we're going to be learning how we can uh, get some tools for how we can deal with our feelings so that we lead out of faith rather than out of just our feelings. We let our faith steer us and guide us. It's going to be an awesome series. I can't wait to dive in. And we're also introducing a brand new challenge here at Central this weekend called the four-week challenge. Beginning September 28th and 29th through October, October 19th and uh, 18th and 19th, 19th and 20th. Uh, we are challenging people to come for four weeks straight because they say habits form in about four-week periods. I know some of you, if you're honest, you're back in church this weekend. You're here, but you're saying to yourself, man, I, I need to get here more often. I need to be here more often. So this is gonna be a great challenge for us to all lean in. I wanna encourage you to download the app or sign up because if you commit to something, you're way more likely to be there. Now, some of you may have travel, you may be out of town, and if that's the case, you can watch online, but you're just making a commitment to say, you know what, I'm gonna lock in for these four weeks. I'm gonna get into a habit of showing up so that God can show up and work in my heart and in my life. You know, another place that our emotions can get a grip in our heart and life, especially anger, it comes out when we get behind the wheel, right? Man, I saw some of these slides. I thought they were pretty funny. I had to share them. Uh, the first one here is just a traffic sign. Uh, check this out. You see that uh, how some people see traffic lights, right? One light's red, one light's green. They're both on at the same time. Those, the the, uh, the heavy-footed among us pull up to a light like this, and, you know, green light means go, yellow light means go, and a red light, you know, means maybe go. It depends on how red it is, Right? <laughs> And it could drive you crazy, whichever side of the equation of that you're on. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, this is how uh, heavy-footed people see traffic signs. Uh, when the speed limit says, you know who you are, the speed limit says 55, you say 65. And you're very cautious because somewhere along the way, everybody heard like, if you don't go more than 10 miles an hour over the speed limit, you won't get a ticket, right? So you're, you're playing it cool. Um, then others see 65 and they, they see 80, right? When they do that, <laughs> I love this. If the speed limit's 70, well, they see no speed limit at all. And they just go, all right, one more. And uh, this one is, is interesting because have you ever been driving down, um, you know, the, the, driving down a situation where a lane is closing, where like, you know, the, the, let's say the left lane is closing and uh, all the cars are supposed to merge in and you merge in early because you're trying to be a good citizen and you're driving along and this punk goes flying past you 60 miles an hour right up to where the cones are and then merges right in, right? You ever had this happen many times yesterday? Day. Yes. All right. Check out this slide. I thought this was funny. He says, you'll hit every cone before I let you in front of me because you saw that sign two miles ago like I did. <laughs> no, 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 no. I should say I was watching this uh, newscast report on uh, highway traffic flow. It was just on the news one day. And they were talking about how when a lane gets closed like that, you're actually supposed to stay in that lane all the way up to where the cones are. And then you're supposed to like zipper in because that keeps the traffic flowing. So if I'm the guy flying past you, it's because I saw that episode. Don't get mad on me. Don't hate on me. Just trying to slide over. So that's the zipper. Anyway, um, traffic is where a lot of our anger can show up. In a lot of places in life, our anger can show up. Our emotions can take us places we don't really want to go. So how do we learn to lead ourselves? How do we deal with the feels so the feels don't deal with us? 
And to do that, to learn some principles today, I wanna dive into a powerful story in the life of Moses. In the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, we're gonna be in uh, chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20. Uh, Moses was an incredible leader, an incredible man of God. God used him in amazing ways. He led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. He led them into the wilderness and then was supposed to lead them into the promised land. And he gets to this place where he's supposed to lead them into the promised land. It's, you know, he's, he's really at the pinnacle of what would be sort of the consummate moment in his leadership when that happens. And as we get later in his life, just before that, you've come upon a scene where Moses is frustrated. The people are frustrated because they feel like Moses has led them out into the wilderness. They're tired of it. They're thirsty. You ever been thirsty? Really thirsty? And that makes you angry. You know, you get hangry when you're hungry, right? You know, they're frustrated. They're upset. And they start complaining about Moses and complaining really about God. Would you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? We were better off back in Egypt, right? And they're going through the whole thing. And so Moses goes before God. This has happened again and again and again. And he says, God, what do I do? And God says, I want you to do three things. I want you to take what's called the staff of the Lord, and then I want you to assemble all of the people together. And he says, I want you to speak to, a, to the rock. There's a huge rock. And water would flow out of the rock and provide for the people supernaturally in the wilderness, okay? Very simple, just do these three things, Moses. Numbers chapter 20, when we get to the highlighted word, read it out loud here with me. But let's read this together and see what happens. It says, so Moses did as he was told. He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. So that's a check on step one, okay? Then it says, then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. So that's step two, and we're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people, right? So they're gathered now at the rock. Now he's just supposed to speak to the rock, but look at what Moses does. He says, listen, you rebels. It says he shouted, must we bring you water from this rock? And then Moses raised his hand and what? Struck the rock twice with the staff and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. Now you could just read through that and be like, okay, so Moses kind of lost his chili. He had a moment, an emotional moment. He sort of let the people have it when he wasn't supposed to, and he kind of went nuts and smacked that rock, you know, not just once, but twice. But water still flowed out. God still honored it. People still got water. Yes, God took care of his people. But this was a pivotal moment in Moses' life because after this moment, God says to Moses, you will no longer lead my people into the promised land. After this moment, he says, that, that now will pass to Joshua. Joshua will lead them on the final step. And it's easy to kind of look at that and go, whoa, man, why did God get so, I mean, so he lost his, 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 his uh, control for a minute. He yelled at the people. He struck the rock. What's the big deal? And I think the issue is big because Moses got everybody together. He's on display publicly. It'd be like me coming in here and absolutely losing my mind on the platform. And you know what you would walk out and say? I don't know if I can follow that guy. I don't think it was God just judging Moses in this moment. I think Moses lost his credibility with the people by the way he spoke to them and the way he acted. He didn't lead himself well in that moment and therefore he disqualified himself from leading the people in the future. That's how important self-leadership is. 
Just takes a moment, right? And the whole game can change. Just takes a moment and the whole script can flip. So we gotta learn to handle our emotions. So let's look at three, I wanna talk about three myths related to anger and how we can offset some of those myths in our life. The first, first myth is simply this, that anger is automatic. The anger is automatic. So people sometimes just believe, you know, you can't control it, you just get angry and you just kinda let it go. By the way, I saw this on uh, social media, this slide, I thought it was great. It says, never in the history of calming down has anyone calmed down when told to calm down? Come on, can I get an amen on that, right? Never in the history of calming down, but that's still what we do, right? Hey man, you just need to calm down. A lot of psychiatrists uh, in one season uh, kind of uh, put forth an idea that the best way to deal with anger in your life is to just let it go. When you feel that anger building like a volcano needs to blow, just, just, just let it go. Just let your anger go, vent it. Go full on with it, go Hulk. Right? You know, you become the Hulk, and, and what does the Hulk do? The Hulk smashes things, the Hulk does whatever. But there was a school of psychiatry for a while that said that's the best way to just get all that out of you and then be able to move on. But it's interesting. Studies more recently show that that may not be the best way to deal with anger. I could have told you that a long time ago. That anger becomes addictive. When you let the Hulk out, the Hulk wants to come out more and more and more. And it becomes a way of coping, and it hurts people, and it damages people, and it gets addictive in our lives. And it's easy to just assume that anger is automatic, that we have no say in it, that it just happens to us. But I wanna suggest to you that while anger is an emotion God gave us, it's a good emotion uh, in and of itself, that that anger isn't just automatic. Now, I've got this uh, globe up here. I hope you can see this. Uh, there's all this kind of energy in this ball floating around and uh, all, of, you know, all of this energy. I think it just sort of is a good picture for anger in our hearts and in our lives. And here's the thing um, with this globe. If you touch your finger anywhere in the globe, it channels the energy to your finger. You see that? And so we got all these emotions flying around, anger flying around, but when we give anger heed in our heart and start to channel it, it's like all of a sudden it starts to flow in a certain direction. Like you wake up in the morning and there's a dog barking uh, in the neighbor's yard that wakes you up and you start thinking to yourself, my gosh, they're so inconsiderate. Why don't you just go out and take care of the dog, right? How can you sleep while the rest of us have to wake up? What kind of person are you? And so what's happening? Your anger starts ramping up, right? You know, and it starts getting channeled right there. And then you, you, go, you go downstairs or you go to your kitchen and, and you know, you pour some cereal. And as soon as you pour some cereal, cereal, it's like, oh man, there's no milk. And you look up and you see a half glass of milk, not drunk, sitting out on the counter. And you know who did that in your family. And you've told them to stop doing that, pouring more milk than they need to do. But you get frustrated, you get upset, and it just starts to channel that anger. More and more of it's coming through. And, uh, and then, you know, you get in the car, and there's some guy in the, in the fast lane going below the speed limit with their blinker randomly just going, and you're like, dude, you're clueless right now, you know? And it's driving, you're, they're making you late to work, it's driving you crazy. Then you get a text message at work that Antonio Brown has been let go of the Raiders. and that he is actually joining the Patriots. What? 
How can this even be? Don't the Patriots have enough talent? Couldn't, couldn't the Patriots like just, they could just give players away for 10 years and still be winners, right? But anyway, all that anger starts getting channeled. You know what I'm saying? Now the Raiders are gonna have a horrible year. They, I thought they were gonna maybe be 500, not anymore, right? But the Patriots in the Super Bowl, again, Groundhog Day. How many times do I have to see this? And then what happens is you go to work and some poor dude who just walked up who had nothing to do with your morning gets the full brunt of it, right? Or worse, you go home and you let your family have it, your friends have it, you let your poor dog, that dog didn't do nothing to you. You let your dog have it, you let your cat have it, right? All this emotion that's been building up, it explodes and people pay the price for it that shouldn't even be paying the price for it. I think that's part of what happened to Moses. When you look at the story, right before the rock incident, we read something at the beginning of that chapter in Numbers 20 that's fascinating. It says, Moses' sister Miriam died. So he's grieving. He's going through loss and emotion, and sometimes anger is a part of that. Then uh, you read on. Here's the people that he's led for all these years, right? They're questioning his character. They're questioning his leadership. They're basically calling him incompetent. It's a trigger. So you layer all of these things on, and you can see how Moses gets to a place where all of that anger is just built up, and he just lets him have it at the rock. And I think any of us in our lives can relate to that and can get there. So what can we do? Well, I want to suggest to you that one way in my life that I've learned to deal with anger, because I've had an issue with anger my whole life, one way I've learned to mature in this area is to realize that I'm not just angry at the situation that happened. It's how I think about the situation that really triggers my anger. So the dog's barking and it wakes you up in the morning. You actually have a choice about how you're gonna think about that dog barking. <laughs> you can think about your neighbor sitting out there letting the dog bark just to wake you up, laughing about it, <laughs> right? Planning your demise. Or you can think, I don't know, maybe my neighbor's going through some stuff. Probably doesn't even know his dog's out barking right now, waking everybody up. Maybe he's so depressed he can't even get out of bed right now. Maybe he really just wants to end his life and wrap it up. And I promise you, you start thinking about things differently. You'll still be angry, but your anger will be a little different, right? It's like, all right. Then you go to the cereal, get your cereal, pour it in, and there's no milk. And you see that half cup of milk right there. You get angry and get upset, but someday that person that left that half cup of milk isn't gonna be in your home anymore. You can rejoice about that. <laughs> but you'll also be sad about that, trust me, right? And you can be thankful that they're there now and you can get some peanut butter. And you can do what my mama always used to say, which is, you know, there's people in different parts of the world that don't get to eat this morning. Come on, you know what I'm talking. And I'm gonna be grateful that I get to have my peanut butter and get on with my day. And then you hear about the Raiders. And you say, it's okay, because Ezekiel Elliott just signed to the Cowboys, so there's hope for this season. That's what I'm saying. There is a God in heaven. The devil shall not have all the players. There's a God in heaven. No, just, kidding. just kidding. 
Sorry. Sorry. But how, yeah, here's what I'm getting at. How I think about the stuff that happens in the day affects how I deal with my anger. All I'm saying is anger is not just automatic. You and I, yes, those emotions can spike up, but we can develop habits that help us deal with those emotions. You know what a good habit is? Just the old habit of take a deep breath and count to 10, right? Just pause, breathe, think, pray, ask God for wisdom. Sometimes I just need to kind of get away from people for a while, right? I'm gonna go for a little walk. I'm just gonna pray this out. I'm gonna cool down for a minute. Those kind of habits we start to develop in our life will help us deal with the feels of anger in such a way that we can really lead ourselves from the inside out and have much greater effectiveness. Here's another myth when it comes to anger, and that is that anger is always bad. Anger is always bad. I saw this uh, image, I thought it was uh, pretty funny. We'll bring this up. Uh, on the screens. It says, uh, never irritate a woman who can operate a backhoe. <laughs> could have been worse, right? She could have dumped it right on the truck or on the guy. Um, a lot of times we feel guilty about anger. We, you know, we don't know how to think about anger, and sometimes just the emotion of anger causes us to wrestle with shame and guilt. And sometimes we've never really thought about the fact that anger is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. That as, a, as an emotion, it's not inherently bad. God gave it to us. It was Tim Keller who said that in its healthy way, anger, anger is simply energy channeled toward defending something good from something bad, right? Think about some of the greatest changes you and I have made in our lives. Have they not been connected at some level to anger? Where you find, I, can, I know for me, I wrestled with uh, four years of drug addiction. And when I finally got to the end of myself, it was hard. And when I finally started taking steps towards recovery and came to Christ and began that journey, I won't lie to you, that was hard. It was hard work. It was difficult. I was, but I, in my weakest moments, the anger would come. I'm so tired and fed up with who I was, I'm not going back to that person. See, that anger wasn't bad when it was channeled towards something good, right? Anger isn't always bad. There's some things that we should be angry about. Child abuse makes me angry. Um, you know, poverty makes me angry. Seeing the pain and, and uh, the hurt that people go through, sometimes it just makes me angry, thinking of people who are forever potentially separated from the love and the goodness of God, that makes me angry, right? There's a whole lot of things in our lives, injustices, things we see that make us angry, and that anger isn't bad. It's what we do with that anger that becomes the issue. Look at this, Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says this, says, go ahead and be angry. You do what? Well, <laughs> you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. See, it's what you do with it, right? That's something else. Don't use it as fuel for revenge, and don't stay angry. You don't wanna live there. You don't wanna buy property there. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Anger is a way the devil can get a foothold 
in our life. So it's okay when we have that emotion of anger. But my encouragement to you is take that anger and channel it towards something good. A lot of times when I think of anger, I think that anger simply tears things down. But have you ever thought of this? Man, anger can also tear things down that are holding other people down, right? Anger can tear down negativity in a workplace when you channel it to bring positivity and hope and goodness to people. Anger can tear down discrimination when you channel it to do good and kindness to people, even when they don't deserve it. Anger, it can, it can do a lot of good in our lives if we'll allow it to. It's a gift from God. But we just have to channel it in the right way. Third myth is simply this, that anger helps me get my way. That anger helps me get my way. Have you noticed that there are some bosses, maybe your boss, who basically use anger as a management strategy? Right, there's some customers that use anger as a strategy to get what they want. There's some parents that use anger as a strategy to get what they want. And in the short term, it might work, right? You yell at your kids loud enough and long enough, they might actually get in line. You completely lose your lunch, you know, and, and have a meltdown, right? They might actually, in the short term, straighten up out of fear. But in the long term, I would suggest you're losing credibility as a parent. In the long term, that's not how to get your way. Love, I believe, is always more powerful than anger. And it's hard sometimes to channel that, but love is always more powerful. Look at what happened in Moses' situation. Moses chapter 20, beginning in verse 12. Here's what it says. It says, but the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness, to the people of Israel, you will not what? Lead them into the land I am giving them. So God says, listen, this was about you representing me. And you went to the rock and stood in front of all the people and you lost your stuff. And you did not represent my holiness to the people. And so you've forfeited the opportunity to lead. And friends, if we want to lead our families, in our workplaces, with our friends. If we want to have influence, we need to learn how to lead ourselves. We gotta deal with the feels or the feels will deal with you. Anger isn't a sin, but it can become a sin if we don't learn to lead it in our lives. I remember when my daughter was a little kid, I was at the church and um, she was a toddler, a little, over, little older than a toddler maybe, just a little kid though. And uh, she had gone into the room where my computer is. And back then, you know, had a big old computer, cost a fortune. And she took a permanent marker and colored all over the screen, colored on the sides of it, colored all over the keyboard, you know, the whole thing. I'm talking permanent, permanent, you know, not, per you know what I mean? Like permanent, permanent. <laughs> Goo gone permanent, like it isn't gonna get it off. Lori walked in and she said, Emma, what are you doing? And you know, she's totally freaked out. And Emma said, I fixed daddy's computer. I fixed it for him. So she called me, the church, and she says, you know, you know that new computer you got? You know, yeah, Emma colored all over it with permanent marker. I don't think we're gonna be able to get it off. Boom, I hear the, here comes the anger rising up, right? I feel it, I'm like, what? But I had a few moments. I was busy, I said, look, we'll talk about it when we get home. Can't think about it right now, right? Hung the phone up and I had some time 
to get out of the emotion of that moment and think about it, right? I had some processing time before I got home. When I got home, sure enough, I walked in. Lori had worked all day trying to get that permanent marker off. She got it off most of the glass and the screen and got it off as best she could, but it was there. It was actually always there. It was gonna be there the rest of that computer's life. But I'd had time to process, and I remember thinking like, she doesn't know, she's just a little kid. She's just doing what kids do. Like, it's on us. Take the permanent marker out of the house. Put it on the top shelf, right? You leave it down there, a kid grabs it. What else are they gonna do? And so I looked at my computer, and I looked at all those marks, and I said, well, those are my daughter's love marks. Those are love marks. And every time I went back to that computer, the love marks were there. But over time, listen, over time, I preferred that computer to the new one we got years later. Because that computer represented something. The love of my daughter. And when you think about the love of God, Jesus left some love marks for us. His hands were pierced, his feet were pierced. He hung on that cross for us, and in that moment, what does Jesus say? He looks out at the very people who killed him, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And he shows us grace. And we can receive that grace today. You may look through your life and see all kinds of moments where anger got the best of you. That's just called being human. But the good news today is you and I can turn to God and confess that to God and receive his grace. And we can grow as people. And we can realize anger isn't just automatic. I have a choice. I want to develop some new habits over time. I want to get better at how I deal with anger. I want to lead myself well so I don't forfeit the opportunity to lead others. We can step back and realize that anger isn't all bad. Maybe some of the anger we're feeling is good, but maybe we don't need to direct that anger toward a person. Maybe we need to direct that anger toward a problem and start trying to address that problem and tear that down so that other people can rise up in that situation. Maybe we've thought that anger is how we get our way, but maybe we just need to step back and realize that is short-term, short-sighted thinking. Love wins the day every time. And Jesus showed his love in that moment in such an extravagant way. You know, maybe some of you are here today and maybe you're, you're fed up. Maybe you're just fed up with addiction in your life. Maybe you're fed up with uh, hurt and pain going on in your life. Maybe you're fed up with feeling like you're doing it all alone or you're carrying that weight alone. My challenge to you is take that anger. It's, it can be good anger. It can be holy anger. Channel it into action. Do something in your life that's positive with that anger. And if you've never crossed the line of faith today, my challenge is let that anger motivate you to reach out to God and trust him in faith, to receive his spirit and his goodness and his strength. Let God guide you. Don't take revenge in your anger. Do not sin, the Bible says. Don't, you know, don't try to uh, leverage it in some manipulative, selfish way. Instead, surrender it and let God take it and let God deal with it. So if you've never crossed the line of faith today, I'd love to give you that opportunity just to reach out to God and to trust him in your life. Would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes? If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. 
Help me face the challenges I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name, amen. Friend, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, would you just slip your hand in the air? Just as a way of acknowledging you're gonna follow God in your life, you're gonna trust him. Slip your hand in the air. Reach out to him today. God, we thank you for each person reaching out to you, trusting you today. We pray that your grace and mercy will flow into their life, that you'll heal and sustain and do what only you can do and help all of us, God, operate more from faith than from just our feelings. We love you. We commit ourselves to you. In Christ's name, amen. Well, congratulations to those of you across our locations who made a spiritual commitment in your life today.